Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 461. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. Read our stories at slowflowersjournal.com. Our first sponsor thanks goes to Longfield Gardens, which provides home gardeners with high-quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Check out the full catalog at longfield-gardens.com. Like you, I've been sticking very close to home since mid-March. I have, however, been able to venture out on occasion for a major video production project that I'm managing. A few weeks ago, that project brought me to Oregon's Willamette Valley and two special farms who are also Slow Flowers members, Raindrop Farms and Crowley House Flower Farm. When looking at the map to see whether I could add a Slow Flowers podcast interview to that 36-hour road trip, I realized that today's guests and their farm were on my route back home to Seattle. John Peterson, Jeremy Carroll, and Zach Goff welcomed me to Pollinates Gardens in Dundee, Oregon, which is in the heart of Oregon's wine country, about 40 miles southwest of Portland. I wore my mask and enjoyed following them along the paths and through the beds and borders of their overly abundant integrated garden, where flowers and food thrive in community. When it came time to record our conversation, we sat safely apart from each other under a tree in the garden with chairs arranged around a table where I placed my digital recorder. Nothing beats recording a podcast episode in the garden. The path to flowers began for John and Jeremy in 2009, when they lived in the Portland suburbs and planted a beautiful garden in the backyard of a rental house. As the story is told on Pollinate's website, it quickly became clear by the juxtaposition between their vibrant garden and the astroturf on the property's front lawn that their intentions had overgrown the available gardening space. The fence surrounding that tiny suburban yard was a physical limitation, yet Jeremy and John discovered they had cultivated an obsessive love of nature's abundance and diverse beauty. They set their sights on a new property and developed a plan to take a broken piece of land that they could could rewild into a biodiverse habitat for flora and fauna alike. In the summer of 2012, armed with textbook theories and a single dull shovel, the men moved to two and a half acres in Dundee, and they began to turn their dream into reality. Over the past several years, they focused on building permanent no-till beds surrounded with lush perennial plantings, which together develop a habitat where life thrives. Their efforts have created a regenerative ecosystem, a healthy environment for plants, animals, insects, and microbes, as pollinate grows beautiful varieties of luscious, nutrient-dense produce and vibrant-cut flowers that customers feel good about shoving their faces in to take a sniff. As John and Jeremy began to focus more on flowers than edible plants alone, their business got a boost when a third partner joined them. This is the third growing season that Zach has been part of Pollinate. Like Jeremy and John, he has a background in culinary and hospitality industry work, and he brings marketing, branding, and photography skills to the team. There's a lot of change happening for Pollinate right now, including the June opening of a new retail shop in Newburgh, Oregon, an adjacent town known as the gateway to Oregon's wine country. Pollinate shares its flower shop with a fellow grower, Little Lavender Farm, owned by their neighbor, Pam Baker. 
I stopped by to check out the charming shop after we recorded this episode. You'll want to see my photos and some more that Pollinate has shared in today's show notes at deborahprinzing.com for episode 461. Things are moving so quickly that now the men are working on a new e-commerce website to support the retail shop. They expect to launch that platform later this summer, so you'll want to find and follow Pollinate's social places to catch the announcement when the new site goes live. For now, let's get started, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I am so delighted today to be coming to you from Dundee, Oregon, and the the home base of Pollinate Flowers. And I'm here with three amazing men who have created a beautiful business. I want to introduce you to John Peterson, Jeremy Carroll, and Zach Goff. The, the the trio, the talented trio behind Pollinate Flowers. Thanks for welcoming me to your property, guys. Thank you for Thanks. being here. Yeah, Thanks thank for you being so here. Just really got the fun. full tour um, on a beautiful Friday afternoon, and this is rare. We're socially distanced, um, and uh, I have to say it's great to get out of the studio and, and see, <laughs> see what real flower farmers are really doing. So let's kick this off with kind of a snapshot of Pollinate Flowers. You guys joined Slow Flowers about a year ago, so I've kind of been tracking you and stalking you, but I really didn't know your story till today. So who wants to start? All right, well, this is John and Pollinate Flowers. So we started um, not as a flower farm, as a, as a food forest concept. And it was really just a, a passion for plants and for creating a, a better system of production. Um, for feeding yourself. For feeding ourselves, mm-hmm. yeah, and for growing uh, uh, nutrition, nutritious food. Um, and go ahead. Well, this is Jeremy. Uh, part of the thing about permaculture is that it's about abundance, mm-hmm. right? right? And so you have, when you create an ecosystem and you plant intensively there's abundance of food that then you can share with others and so we were really into not only the abundance that's created by permaculture for wildlife and for habitat but then also what we can do for community at large and sharing uh, the knowledge that we have about how we can heal our land you know most of our yards and properties have been virtually destroyed uh, and the way that we've cared for them, there's not a whole lot of uh, health in the soil or in the ecosystems around us. But you can take a destroyed piece of land, give it some love and with the right intentions and the right forward movement. And you can create a really abundant area in the small space. Mm-hmm. And Speaking of small space, what is your acreage? Uh, we're at two and a half acres. Okay. Um, and we're only in production, really, in, in less than half of that at this point. Okay. So okay. it's, it's very uh, intensive plantings and uh, so far managed all by hand, uh, no tractors involved. Right, right. Well, I'm really interested in how you started with food because I think a lot of people who get into flower farming do start with food and then uh, uh, for various circumstances lead you to flowers. So um, you've been here for what, about four years? We've been here since 2012. Oh, okay. So eight yeah. years. But oh, we, wow. start, we spent about two years of cleaning the property. We cut down about 25 trees and just tore it. You know, you feel like the property is yours to to do it with what you like. When you first move in, you're like hesitant to do anything. But uh, after a while, we cleaned everything up, started uh, planting in 2014. So what you, Deborah, can see now is mm. you know, about five years or six years of things that have been growing. Um, we switched to flowers uh, in 2017. Yeah, at the end of that oh, season. Oh, that's where the four years came yeah. in, so mm-hmm. you've been growing. Yeah. 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 And and your um, your intent was with flowers was, well, food or flowers, was to create some revenue stream, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, this is Zach. Zach is jumping <laughs> in. <laughs> uh, when I came in, uh, this is my third growing season here, um, but I came to the farm from New York City with background in high-end culinary and uh, fashion photography. Uh, And I came to the space and I, like, immediately realized how, uh, what, like, a gem this is. Mm -hmm. And any of the chefs that I ever worked with in New York uh, would have, like, died to get their hands on any of the product out here. Uh, But uh, as a farm, they were struggling. 
uh, as a produce farm, um, just because we are in a heavily agriculture area mm. uh, where there are a lot of, you know, We talked about farmers. that. Yeah. So this is basically one of the wine countries outside of Portland, right? Exactly. Right. Exactly. So if anyone's growing anything besides grapes, it's probably produce. It's produce. produce. Definitely okay. produce. Yeah. And there is a lot of uh, produce farms in this area that uh, uh, grow produce for the restaurants that are out here, but also for the city as mm. well. Yeah. Some very well-known ones out yeah. here. Because we're like how far from Portland? Only, uh, only 26 miles. Yeah, okay. 26 miles, so yeah. like 45 minutes. So Zach but, sees the abundance here, but he sees that there's so much potential that you guys um, just hadn't been discovered. Right. And, I mean, we're, we're too small of a farm to compete with those larger farms who are doing large-scale uh, uh, annual vegetables. Mm -hmm. uh, so a lot of our product was going to waste. A lot of it was just kind of like here for us. Uh, and then also the high-end varieties that we were growing, people we're, we're chefs having... don't really know what to do with them yeah. in a lot of cases. So This is Jeremy. One thing that John and I lack while we were, we were learning how to farm, we moved from our uh, subdivision in Beaverton, Oregon, about an hour, about 45 minutes from here with one shovel to become <laughs> farmers. Um, so didn't we didn't even have a lawnmower. No. <laughs> uh, Did you own Carhartts? I know, nope. but I do now. We do now. Okay. We have all the pairs. <laughs> different conversation. Um, but uh, we were learning the farming end. We were working full time or, or almost full time in Portland. And so we didn't also, and this, we didn't have time to market ourselves. We're yeah. also not marketers. And that's a, a struggle that I know a lot of farmers have is that we spend so much time on our property that we don't you wear all the hats right yeah. and so it's hard to understand how to put yourself out there how to gain a following how to you know really get traction and that's something that zach brought is that we were trying to sell a concept as a food forest but a concept is hard to sell if people don't understand like you wouldn't really understand if you weren't here to like see what it is right? how integrated everything right. is yeah and so zach brought marketing and branding to our um our little operation so that we people now recognize us when we're out and about we've created a brand for ourselves that is now sellable um, we can sell our brand first and then our concept second, but um, you got to hook them with the brand. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So did did you suggest pollinate Zach, or did J John and Jeremy already have that yeah, name? Yeah. So uh, they were actually the Dundee. I don't even know Dundee Hills Food Forest yes. before. That's the problem. People didn't even know. Yeah. Our parents couldn't even even <laughs> remember the name. Too many words. Yeah. They don't make sense so, together. So yeah. Um, when I started working on like rebranding and when we decided that like flowers were the way to go just because there are no flower farmers out here first of all and yeah, then shocked uh, to hear that i know right because yeah. you can grow amazing flowers out here um but we uh we were we just had to decide on like a really easy name uh something that people would be able to remember so were then, you recommending one word yeah Okay. So we actually, John and I sat down and like brainstormed a bunch of words. We just went through all went these through different all these... lists of words. So many yeah. crazy yeah, things. Yeah, exactly. yeah, like anything inappropriate, that ever, all the things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so we ended up with pollinate um, because not only does it uh, correlate to our, our farming practices, right. but also to... To flowers, flowers and to food and, and to, food. to that was the my whole thing. take yes. on it. Like it can, it, you can be very uh, fluid back right. and forth between exactly. food and flowers. Yeah, we liked that about mm -hmm. that that name. And your graphic branding is is really masculine, and I like yes, that. Yes, that is another thing that mm -hmm. we really wanted to like make sure people knew. Like, not only are we we're we're three guys doing this little farm yeah uh so we wanted it to be masculine to show that it was a farm but because we were also doing floral design uh we wanted to stand out in a world that tends to be heavily female, female. yeah yeah and it, maybe that's why when i i know you're in the middle of doing more updates to your website but mm -hmm. the graphics now i think the typography is really strong and and kind of like fashion forward mm -hmm. and yeah. so it's not like you're yield country farm right either, no. so. i like to say that i photograph humans like beautiful flowers and i photograph flowers <laughs> like beautiful humans so i treat 
my graphic design and my photography as if they're fashion models in front of me. Oh, well, yeah. I love that. Good. <laughs> I'm going to need to get you guys to do a wearable botanical Oh, yes, definitely. Uh, Francois Weeks is coming, or we have, have her scheduled to come sometime in July to do a little gather and see if she can do some sort of wearable oh. thing. But um, She could do it out of weeds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for her to come here. I met her at a floral retreat with the Floral Design Institute oh, um, at the Oregon Gardens last year. Last year. Yeah. Um, and she is just fantastic, yeah. and we really hit it off. Yeah, so and I'm she's excited. a real plant person yes. as well. So. I'm really excited for her to come and do it. We're talking through. about you, Francoise. <laughs> um, so this, this kind of, uh, it's almost like once you, uh, all three got on the same page and said, we're, we're committed, we're going to do this. It kind of took you to the next level then. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really did. Uh, this is John again. Um, it, it allowed us, like Jeremy said, to, to have something that was marketable and sellable both in the the product itself, the flowers, um, but also as a as a brand, we started really selling ourselves. You know, we started putting pictures of ourselves and and telling our story. Um, shout out to florette flowers because she her we took her little online Mm -hmm. course and like that was one of the things that we really gained from that is that come out from behind the camera right brand and we i mean when when we moved sorry this is jeremy again uh when we moved to the property we moved from beaverton to a conservative area which we didn't really understand where we were moving to until we moved here and we're like oh this it's is not high, all. It's not all wine country. It's a highly it's a religious mixed. town, yeah. and so like, is this going to be good as a gay couple? What yeah. is this going to mean? So we kind of didn't promote ourselves ourselves because right. we didn't want to bring undue attention to us as yeah, a gay couple. You want your com- you want your company to thrive, right? Mm-hmm. But that didn't happen. We didn't thrive because we weren't selling ourselves, <laughs> yeah. right? And we've really found that the more we've come out from behind the camera, the more the community is just excited that we're here. There's like. Uh, unafraid gay people in the community that are putting themselves out there and we have found so many allies and it's been a benefit to us rather than a liability in fact tomorrow we are organizers of uh co-organizers of the first wine country gay pride ever raid in dundee Uh it's going through a local winery uh it's on it's on a property in in dayton just about 10 minutes down the road and it's all virtual this year oh right Uh, so we have a car parade and then there's a little stage where we found like uh, this really amazing boy came out at george fox university here christian university did a great thing um and so he's the grand marshal and we have a couple like little performances lined up so it'll all be broadcast out oops sorry so, you know, there's a lot of uh, LGBTQ yeah. people here, yeah. you know, and, and Portland's close, but it's still far away. And so, Will your flowers factor in the parade somehow? We are going to do arrangements for all the tables. He's doing an installation on the property. And then... Um, are, we're, for the first 11 cars of the parade, they're all assigned a color. So for the we're doing the brown, uh, black, uh, and then all the colors of the rainbow, yeah. and then also the trans pride flag, so blue, white, and pink. So all of the cars will be assigned a color, and ours we're is green, green for nature. <laughs> Match. Yes. <laughs> so we have a green truck, and then we're also going to deck it out in like and green, flowers, green flowers and plants and, and, and everything. Foliage galore. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's really. I love hearing that story. I also it kind of makes me. Uh, it reminds me of another comment that one of you made about the tourism association here being interested in partnering with you. And I just think that these, these communities that maybe need to rely on agritourism have to have young energy Absolutely. to be relevant. And right. so I'm so happy to hear that, you know, you're a business that's being supported. Yeah. And, yeah. and heavily supported by our community. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, crazy amounts. I mean, the, uh, yeah, <laughs> we we feel secure in what we're doing because of the support yeah. of our local community, the members of it, the business community, um, the winery, the wine industry out yeah. here. Um, because flowers are supporting wine right. Right. Absolutely. In, in a way. This is Jeremy again. Uh, we also donate arrangements to uh, one um, nonprofit uh, fundraiser a month, you know, before all of them were canceled with, with sure. COVID. So, you know, 30 table centerpieces, uh, I'll donate. And so, you know, this is a thousand dollar donation or so, but that gives to the community and then the community in turn gives back to us. And so the community is a really like, um, 
they they support those who support them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've really found that that is a great way for us to, it doesn't cost us anything. It's just my time uh, right. doing the arranging. Right. Um, You're not doing But that's right. bringing us business. That's yeah. bringing us goodwill. And that's letting people know that we're here and that we are here for them as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. It's the whole concept of. And that's permaculture again. <laughs> permaculture <laughs> reaches into your, your community as yeah. well. Like you support each other. You make the area um, sustainable. Yeah. I love that. Well, we've talked about some of your charitable and philanthropic activities and your education, but what, who, who's buying pollinate flowers? What is, who's your customer and what are you selling to them? So this is John. Uh, Previously, you know, before COVID, our main customers were the wine industry, events, weddings, tasting rooms. Oh yeah. Um, Were you saying how many wineries are in this area? I mean, there's about 300 within an hour of our house. Goodness. Um, but there's about 60 in Dundee. 60 just in the Dundee Hills, like where we live here. Um, yeah, so, I mean, there's just like a ton of, of every different Endless. kind and every different, you know, budget, you know, from the little mon pa to the huge multi-million dollar things. Um, so, and you've got flowers for all of them. Yes, <laughs> and that's the whole thing, too, is they do want, they, they have different, different styles and different you know needs for floral and um we've really been able to fill a, a hole in the market here uh, in that um however covid happened and so a lot of i mean all the tasting rooms kind of closed for a while and obviously weddings and events just kind of got canceled for this year um so we've really started focusing on just individual people and just being like the everyday local Newburgh Dundee florist. Um, since like there the, isn't one, there's only the big box grocery. So you basically became the hometown flower shop. Right. We wow. we have, it's been kind of tricky, um, this is Jeremy, with um, people ordering from our website because you have to send an email and then you have to respond to the email or maybe a phone call, you know, but without having a physical location for people to buy from, the coming to the farm has been a little here and there and people find out about us through word of mouth and whatnot you know um so we've been but we're trying to become more of your everyday florist Mm -hmm. and not just for the events and for the wineries and so um part of that is this this uh i get may yeah may what when did we open may 1st give us the big announcement we opened a little flower shop in downtown newburgh um so we have kind of a build your own bouquet bar but then also we're developing a new website so people can order arrangements online um, florists can check out our inventory, which will keep up to date and then place their orders online and pick up at the shop as well. Um, so trying to move people off the farm, um, we'll still, if you want to come see, you know, we'll still bring you on, but, um, just for everyday pickups and, um, for everyday floral, we'll pick up at the shop. So the shop, it sounds like this space and came your way and it was before like earlier, like in first quarter before COVID? Like yeah, we, you, right. we you got thought, the keys March 1st. Oh, how handy is that? Yeah, right? <laughs> and then went into quarantine, you know, exactly two weeks later. How did that come about, though? We, this is just, again, part of this rebranding that you've all been working uh, on? A little bit, uh, kind of. Uh, it kind of fell into our laps, though. Our uh, One of our neighbors, uh, another local farmer who just does lavender and lavender products, uh, came upon this space uh, where her hairdressers uh, were letting her know that she, they're leaving and there might be, you know, some... This vacant this space. Vacant space. Yeah. And she thought about it and she contacted us and asked us if we wanted to sell flowers out of there. And we sat down and thought about it and we were like, huh, this is uh, an amazing opportunity. Let's just see if she wants to go half and half. So uh, from there, we made up a proposal and this is... And now like, it's a real thing. So sort of like a co-location. Thing. Yes. Okay. So half of the store is actually all of her lavender products and uh, a couple sourced lavender products of her other favorite local farms. Mm-hmm. And then the other half is all our flowers. Wow. Uh, with the intent to potentially move into um, uh, like provisions that mm. we can make with the, the produce mm-hmm. and, the, and the flower. Oh, like if you created a jam yes. from some of these yes. weird and, berries, and, right? Yeah. vinegars and yeah. tea blends and all because uh, we grow so many herbs and uh, edibles on the property that it's it can go from not just flowers but also you know we have pollinate flowers as our floral brand, but pollinate provisions as oh, our love it as our and that uh, that's really what we want to highlight. Ultimately, the ultimate goal of this is to show people 
that in a regenerative system, you can produce a lot of different things. And so it's not just about growing a bunch of cut flowers or, you know, a vegetable farm is just about growing like some salad mix or something, or maybe even an herb farm is just about growing these herbs, you know, like we, if we integrate all these different things um, as farmers, uh, you can actually start to take a lot of different directions with your business and diversify your income stream right well i was thinking about that whole idea of like you are a diversified farm right but by doing this mix of like package provision product that's not perishable that's a lot of peas Mm. Um, (laughs) that that's stuff that can be sold in the winter right And, and i do feel like people just if they are going to go into your shop it's nice to have something at an affordable price point for them to take home. Right. Either the dried lavender or some vinegar that you've got, like something that maybe de- won't wilt in the car. I right. mean, so Correct. you're kind of thinking through uh, what to have for that person. Right. So. Yeah, there's a lot of tourism in this area. And so, They're you know, nice. we've had our flowers at like the local, like little restaurant where they sell flowers. And we really didn't sell a lot of them there because it's just people coming in for lunch that are tourists. So yeah. while they like looked at them and they took pictures with them and all of this, <laughs> we didn't really sell that many. You were because, their selfie background. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's so, fine, but you're not. Yeah. They no, can't take them with them. They can't take the bunch on the airplane back to wherever. So you the know? shop is actually great because yeah. we are actually bringing in a lot of the locals, uh, not only because of our relationship with our community, but our goods are perishable so it's the locals who are coming in for sure. the flowers mm-hmm. and then awesome. hers is all lavender product which has a crazy following very strange cultish following yes, it is true and brings it? in people from all over the place as tourists as like lavender aficionados yeah. you know and so we're drawing in two different crowds to the same shop which right is but they're they pairing. like intertwine oh yeah right. you know so easily they cross-pollinate so. as we like to say <laughs> <laughs> what what is the name of the shop then so technically it's we kept our own branding we kept our own branding so it's the little lavender shop and pollinate flowers okay so you've yep. worked out oh i'm gonna hopefully go visit so yep. the signage yep. is clear and yeah when were you able to reopen? So we actually didn't. Uh, we got the keys on March 1st, and it was an old salon that needed. We completely gutted it. Oh, I see. How long? And so it was like mm-hmm. reconstruction and all this. And we ended up kind of slow rolling the open through June. Um, but now we're open five days a week, Wednesday through Sunday. Wow. Just for four hours a day, just to kind of see how it goes. So did you, were you there this morning or did you have someone? Uh, you have someone who our for- business partner from Little Lavender yeah. Shop. She, um, she works two days a week. Zach works two days a week. And then we have an employee that's going to work one day a week. Oh, that's so smart. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. And Newburgh is uh, also kind of, you said tourists. So it's like people can go eat there on their way to the winery. Oh, or yeah, Newburgh has a really cute downtown. It's around 25,000 people. It's um, the entry into wine country right. from Portland. Okay. Right. So yeah, it's, it's the first. It's the first like the little yeah. yeah town that you come into, and we're right in the downtown core with the other little like restaurants and boutiques and everything, bookstore, um, antique shops, mm-hmm. you know, all yeah. those things. Right it, there. it occurs to me that if COVID hadn't happened, you guys would your heads would be exploding right now. Yeah, uh, we're actually like we're cool with it. I mean, I'm sorry for. There's yeah. a lot of devastation, right? But on for, in terms from of taking us, a pause from weddings and events, right? right? And maybe we couldn't have kept up with it at that point. And so Zach and I were both working offsite jobs, right? And so that has allowed us to focus solely on the farm, um, dedicate all our energies to this, getting it up and going, and uh, even you know getting some areas under control that were a little bit too wild. You know, right. we wouldn't have had the time to do that, um, and so we it's actually put us ahead of where we would have been if it hadn't happened. Wow. And it has created a tremendous opportunity for people to uh, understand global supply chains. Um, yes, I love that and, con- idea to talk. Like, we should talk about that. Yeah. Like, local is all of a sudden, well, Zach was talking about that Huge. too, like yeah. uh, a consideration. Right. Maybe people that didn't even understand uh, the whole system of where their roses came from before. Um, there's a lot of people paying a lot more attention to that. Not only... Uh, because they can't get the things that maybe they used to, but also it is important for all of us, all of us, in a, a more profound way to mm-hmm. support each other and mm-hmm. like our neighbors and our community. There's a greater sense of that, I feel, than maybe before. 
Um, and so we're, we're getting yeah. like a lot of people that want to support us because we're here, you know, and you made that great. comment. Yeah, you made a comment about um, the wine tasting room that has this expensive wine, but they've got like mums from Fred Meyer flower department like right. in their in bud bases and yeah. like that that is finally occurring to them that maybe that's a disconnect well, right. and this jeremy there just hasn't been any other options in mm. town that mm. was the one place that locally that people could go to get flowers unless you can't there's a lot of like small little florists you know that work out of their house or whatever Sure, but they're probably also wedding and event focused yes, they too, are yes. yes they're not retail right yeah. now and so there just hasn't been a place for people to come and get flowers and, so and there has been a disconnect in we're talking about local wine right. we're talking about local food uh, you know, celebrating the Willamette Valley, celebrating Yamhill County, all of these things. And then we're literally putting flowers on the table from South America, yeah. you know, with this whole thing. And yeah. so there is a disconnect this that is... is starting to like, people are like, oh, wait a minute. These flowers need to be from here also. Mm-hmm. This is the slow flower movement. Yeah. You right. Know, this is exactly <laughs> yeah. why, why we're here with you, Deb, right? Like it's yeah. because this is a mentality that's starting to come into just the public awareness just in general right. about sourcing things yeah. from all over the world and what that does for the environment and the quality of the stuff that you get that's been brought in from all over the world. How often are we told your flowers last forever? Yeah. I mean, we that's have, the number one a, comment that we get. Yeah. The number one. We have comment. a we have a weekly subscription. Okay. And uh, people bring their vases back two weeks later because they're like, I still have the one from last week that's going. Right. So. so they have two in their house <laughs> at the whole time. Oh, I see. So they're they're not yes. cutting you off. They're no. just like. Well, they, they come yeah, back every week on. and get their arrangement, yeah. but they don't return their vase for two weeks because then they have two arrangements at the house because they last forever. It's sort of a neat way, a conversation starter then mm-hmm. for you to say, well, you know why. Right. You know, and, it's because of our practices. And, and we just like, you know, uh, we had, I like to do a lot of wildflowers. You know, my, my arranging style, this is Jeremy, is a little bit uh, more wildflower field. And um, we had a comment the other day that was like, those flowers aren't going to last very long. I had from some, a florist. I had from some little florist. daisies, you know, and bachelor buttons and whatever. The wispy and, bits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they lasted for a week and a half. And she came back and she's like, "I have a confession to make. Like, I was completely judging you when I came in and thought these were going to die in three days." And I was like, "Well, it's about harvest time. You know, if you're harvesting your wildflowers, you're harvesting them when they're at their like most beautiful. But then they're going to crash two days later." It's understanding the process of the plant. You know, the second a plant is pollinated, that's when its it, its life cycle starts to end. It starts decaying yeah. at that point. Yeah. So you harvest it before that happens, and then you have the full life of the plant. Mm-hmm. And there's like the minds are blowing all oh, over the place. So much education. They, yeah. Not yeah. to mention the health of the plants. Yes. And the, <laughs> our system of farming that creates such healthy plants that Which can is live organic. Yes. Very organic. Beyond yeah. organic is yeah. what we say. Well, <laughs> listeners, uh, we're going to show some photos of this amazing place. But what I was the most impressed with, with the idea of permaculture and intensive planning and no-till and all the groovy stuff that's happening here is that there isn't like a an annual department and a perennial department and an edible department. It's all commingled. And I love that. And maybe you could talk a little bit about why you do that. Um, and and I, I just learned a lot. And I thought I was a like pretty experienced gardener. Because- <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, this is John. I'm kind of the the farmer and the plant hoarder of the group and kind of the visionary, I guess, of this little farm. So um, basically, uh, we really are looking at nature and we look at nature as the model. And so if you look at any sort of ecosystem in nature um, that's that's there, you mostly have perennials mm-hmm. and you, and there's layers. You start with trees and you have shrubs and you have an herb layer and you have ground layer and you do have annuals in these systems, but they're spread all out and they reseed and they kind of fill in the holes. Mm-hmm. Where um, there's bare space. Right. Where there's bare yeah. space. Yeah. Correct. And they move around, you know, like they're not going to be in the same place as the system grows and evolves. Shade happens in a spot that used to be sun, right? And so um, <clears throat> we're kind of designing our garden in that way. Um because when I look at nature, I see that nature doesn't need all of the things that farmers are doing. You know, nature really is supporting itself. Interesting. And, and we're coming at it and trying to take oh. land and, like, turn it into, you know, spreadsheets and 
all these rows all these and, inputs. and all these inputs you're battling and, nature at that right point. So you're not really working within the natural systems we're trying to create something that just isn't isn't mm -hmm. natural That's a, efficient for us as farmers but not necessarily efficient in creating uh, yeah. it's efficient on paper home. but yes. not necessarily in practice yeah and the history of farming is, especially in the United States, is kind of like been the same the whole time. We started plowing when we, the pilgrims started plowing and cutting down the forest. And, and, you know, tilling and plowing, it adds oxygen to the soil. So immediately you do get a lot of growth because you're feeding all the microbes all this oxygen. And so they're burning through the nutrients and the plants are absorbing it. And it seems all great for a few years. But, I mean, the story of America is that they kept <laughs> killing the soil. And so they kept having to go west because suddenly they Domination weren't producing over much. nature. Right, yeah. exactly. Yep, and, you're right. And so, like, we're just looking at all of that, and it's like, well, where has that gotten us? You know, like, 250 years of plowing, and our soil is more unhealthy than it ever has been. Yeah. You know, and now we have to add so many chemicals of, of every different kind, and it's just like, the, the, we need to, like, them. completely pull back from this and look at, like, why does a forest not need this? You know. And it's and it's all about the rebuilding of the soil, mm -hmm. and right. uh, with all of the the development in soil science over even the past like ten years, uh, the systems of putting perennials in in systems of annuals, like within the systems of annuals, it's just helping maintain the soil life under underground. It's so uh, structure that really structure. impressed me when you showed me the the okay. There's a long row of you know mini rows and then like the yarrow and then that's a perennial with you as you said mm -hmm. deeper roots mm -hmm. right. and then there might be a couple sections of annuals but then there's another section of yarrow so you're like right. keeping something down into the soil all the all, all the, the time. time and not only that but even above the soil it's keeping habitats all year round mm -hmm. for these beneficial insects and and even like snakes and, and birds that Critters. that we need here yeah. because we don't spray anything. Uh, we need them here to like keep the plants healthy. Opposite so. of most farmers, you know, most traditional farming anyway, is we're trying to bring in every kind of life. Yeah. Most farmers in the model that we have are like trying to keep all life out, you know, and that's what the insecticides are that kill like 200 things. Like, they're trying to keep it all out, but really only a few things are pet, like problems yeah. for plants, and they're problems because they they become an outbreak. Because like, <laughs> you don't have other predators, correct? Who naturally would come absolutely. here? Absolutely, absolutely. Plants. There's still aphids in our garden. There's aphids. If you look around, you can go around and you'll find some aphids, but you're not going to find a single plant anywhere in suffering. here that is suffering so you also from them. See on ladybugs. the same plants that you see the aphids, you see all the little baby ladybugs right. who are eating the aphids. And right. then you see the ants that are corralling the aphids up to the top. So, Oh my gosh. Can, yeah. It's it's a crazy system, and nature like works itself out if you just let it be yeah. in certain ways. And one thing that we've found is that if your plants have natural defenses, mm. right? They're like us. They have immunities. They have an immune system. And if they have healthy, balanced diet in the soil, they're not going to be susceptible to those pests. Yeah. It's the same as if you're, we're eating fast food versus salad every day, you know, water versus soda. Like, what, what we're putting into the soil literally is what the plants are taking up and creating the leaves with. And so if they don't have the calcium, if they don't have boron, if they don't have all of the minerals that they need they're going to be unhealthy and they're going to be susceptible to disease and to pests and to outbreaks. One thing that we do every year is we have our soil tested okay. and then we amend in our production space. Our, yeah. We amend accordingly. Mm. Uh, we create our own custom blend of fertilizer that we then uh, spread all over to, cause every soil is different. Every soil is, de isn't uh, deficient in different things. And so um, it's important to test your own site yeah. and find out what's happening in your area. And I think that, uh, I mean, it really is like one of the most overlooked parts of gardening well, is it's soil. The, it's not the sexy part, right? No. It's and even it's in flower the, farming, it's the dirty part, right? <laughs> the everyone is talk is very focused on the beautiful blooms, which is awesome. I am too, but in order to get the beautiful blooms, we have to take a couple steps back and and get into the dirt yeah. and like understand yeah. that everything that creates the beautiful bloom, the actual petals that create the cells and everything, yeah. like if you want eight foot 
yarrow or <laughs> ten foot ami. <laughs> yeah, you got to feed soil. the soil, right? <laughs> oh, what a great lesson! And and I know you do give tours here, and yep. we we talked. To, we're sitting in the area, this grassy little like enclave where it's shady. It's right in the middle of the garden, and you said that you might start teaching workshops here. So education is going to be part of, of the expansion of this Education of this is one of the things that we're most passionate about. We taught John taught himself about all of this through books. He didn't go to school for any of this. He took a little, like, landscape design at the community college, but was like, this is all miracle growth spraying. Like, I don't need to learn this. It wasn't the right kind of instruction. No. And so he, he just poured into books on permaculture and, and intensive farming and backyard farming and that's how we have created our own little system uh it's from gleaning ideas from all of these other people who have been doing different things and so we want to educate other people on how they can replicate and then use their own imaginations on how to suit it to their own site you know so the last the last two years uh we've been doing during the growing season uh, a monthly farm tour the first saturday of every month uh where we Actually, last year we started uh, with a local um, yoga instructor. Mm-hmm. She comes out and does yoga in the garden. Uh, and then we do a farm tour. And uh, the money from that goes to a charity, a local charity. Oh, so it's really just a, a way to connect the community again. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, but we're also bringing people out here because we we have to let them see what we do. Because it's really hard for us to, to educate people without them seeing it in person. Well, you were talking um, about like bringing chefs here. So yes. that's part of it too, yes, right? Absolutely. And we even brought third graders here. We brought the third graders from uh, one of the local elementary schools. We showed them around the garden. We did some little workshops with them for like 15 minutes each, you know. And then like then they took some plants home and... Had a, they had a wonderful they can, time like, and infiltrate their parents' mindset. Exactly, right. exactly. Right. We were talking about habitat and biodiversity, which were subjects that they had been talking about in their classes already, anyway. So they were like very engaged into what was going on in the area and they get on to the see farm. It in practice. Yeah, and but, on the chefs, we had uh, one of the restaurants, local restaurants uh, that we work with. I asked the chef if he would bring the kitchen staff out to the farm. Oh, smart. So last year, uh, we actually had the whole kitchen staff come out one morning. Um, so that they could really get in, you know, we grow maybe 15% of what we grow still is produce specifically for restaurants. Um, and so they got to really get in and see the, the plants and pull a current off the bush and try the lettuce right there off the, off the plant, you know, cause there is it, within kitchens, there's a lot of disconnect cause people, they're in the kitchen, they're not on the farm, you know, right. so and then- they don't see it maybe the whole process and and there's a a greater appreciation that can come when they get in that space yeah the other aspect of of education that we're trying to to build is that uh what we're doing here uh is great for our small farm but it's like even better for a home gardener so there are people in this area who have lots of property who don't do anything with it but if they build like a small version of our system they're not only creating enough food and flowers for themselves but they're helping like rebuild the earth which uh, our our neighbors yeah. two lots over have been to probably five of our farm tours and they <laughs> with, have, their yeah, with their notepad with their notepad they have replicated our garden in their little area oh, they're growing some lavender as well but for their their annual vegetables and they're they started growing some flowers in there but they've the compost mounted beds they've, they've done everything the that we've done and they are just they're a little fan I'm going to say fanboys, but, you know, yeah. husband and wife team, um, that they they just love everything. <laughs> They're your that, acolytes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. yes. <laughs> and they have honeybees. Uh, we gave them all of our honeybee equipment after I found out that I was allergic to bees, which, you know, in a flower farm is kind of interesting. Yeah. I just keep an EpiPen on me. It's fine. Um, <laughs> God, living living on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't worried. Um, but they, their bees fly from uh, there. He's like, I watch them every morning and they fly up over the trees and go to your farm. He calls their honey pollinate honey because yeah. it, they're all right here for they're them. They're looking for the good stuff. Yeah, uh, right. Exactly. Wow. I am so glad I got to stop and see all three of you and meet you. It and, was a pleasure. Oh my yeah. gosh. My my own imagination is inspired about a few of my um, potential planting areas that might need to be differently handled. Awesome. Um, well, let us know if you have any questions. <laughs> we'll be glad to help. <laughs> well, no, I love it. I love the idea also that um, you are equal parts uh, gr- growing, design, and community. And I, you know, that's that's a model that 
is just, to me, it's so important. And I was just having a conversation about this with some other farmers that there's so many opportunities to put your own brand to uh, to work in your community to to show off your values and to live your mission. And, so much opportunity for that. Yeah, and, and it's it, that's the only way you can differentiate. I was just talking with the photographer I was working with, and she was saying, yeah, every photographer's website looks the same yes. with the same language. And I said, you know, I see that with florists too sometimes mm-hmm. where everyone uses a Claude Monet quote, and, you know, everyone has, has sort of the, the same verbiage. And the only way you can break through that clutter is to be authentically individual and and you know sometimes that's a lot of work to be able to talk about who you are and you guys are doing such a great job at that that's really really flattering (laughs) because you've mentioned a lot of key words that we've been trying to pursue oh good (laughs) it's beautiful what you're doing and when are you going to relaunch when are you launch your new site uh it it should be done sometime in july okay so yeah, we have an actual, like a real web designer. Zach built our beautiful site that you Which see right I now. I don't do But that. he's not actually a web <laughs> you designer. You don't want to do e-commerce design. <laughs> yeah, so now yeah. we now we're, we'll have an actual online shop and uh, log in for florists and, you know, it'll be a little more interactive So you'll be running wholesale and retail off the same site. Yes, correct. correct. And what is going to happen when we get past COVID and all these, like, weddings start up again and corporate events start up we're again? Gonna we're going to need ready. a team. Oh, we're, we're ready for it. <laughs> We've hired three people this year to help. Okay. Um, with, on the farm, um, with maintenance on the farm. Um, For the first time, we have so far until this year. So that was another thing. Like, COVID happened, and we actually realized that we were going to need to hire people. Unlike most industries and yeah. businesses, like regenerative agriculture, still it doesn't stop. We no, and no, we could switch. Doesn't. We could. We grew a lot of uh, food earlier this spring. Um, we grew plant starts. Vegetable plant starts mm. was a huge like business you know Mm, um and so we actually ended up everyone wanted to start a garden so we ended up selling flower starts but mostly vegetable starts yeah i've Um, heard that so the the so your little nursery then too yeah 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 Yeah, we can like adapt we have well there'll be pollinate nursery at some point too so pollinate flowers pollinate provisions pollinate nursery we're gonna build a little we have to find a thesaurus (laughs) to figure out another word for nursery that starts with p though that's true so oh, yeah. <laughs> well, pollinate pea patch sounds a little. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But now I'm gonna be thinking about that. Oh my gosh. That's Anything else that I didn't ask you, Zach, John, and Jeremy? Because I know we could talk for a long, long time. <laughs> uh, but this is a nice introduction. Yeah. Um. No, I think generally we covered it all. Yeah. But I love what you said about like we really are about flowers and and food and community, mm-hmm. kind of like a, a triangle of things um, and and education in there as well. I mean, that is people that are yearning for that connection mm-hmm. and you're Absolutely. you're not locking your gate. No, no we're trying to actually open it. I, I mean, the thing is, like, we can do this on our little farm and that's great, but other people can do this and we could really like spread this kind of idea um, if people have the access to it and if they can see it. You know? We're trying to heal our soil and our piece of property, become better stewards of our property. And there's a lot of people who have property that have that same desire, but they don't have the tools or understanding on how to do it. Right. And so the more that we share our story and what we're doing on the farm, we have inspired a lot of people or at least put that idea in the back of their minds of what they can do on their space to make it better and a more thriving place. Yeah. You know? Like you can hear the birds yeah. chirping. These were not here when we moved here. We have actively tried to keep them here. There are little workers. They're eating insects all year round for us. You know, we keep bird feeders and nesting boxes yeah. readily available, you know. On farms, that's not something that you usually do. The birds are a pest because there's nothing else for them to eat except your, your vegetables or your fruit. But yeah, I do think that that and you're making it, a, it this idea, this concept of permaculture, which seems a little intimidating. Mm-hmm. You're making it accessible to yes. the to the home garden. It needs to be because yeah. permaculture is also a cult in its own little right, which is fine. And and you know, there's a lot of amazing ideas, but it we need to take it into a, a 
you know, less threatening, less threatening yeah. and less unapproachable. It can be very dogmatic and, sometimes. You know? yeah. Yeah. That's not really permaculture. You know, if you're not, we don't just use native plants in here because we like the beauty. There's beauty in all plants. So we'll source native plants from the prairie. It's just not Northwest native, you know, <laughs> it's native to the earth. Yeah. Yes. Everything is native yes. somewhere, <laughs> yeah. you know, so like, A let's bring it on. Relative. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, this has been great. You'll share some photos that we can wax yes, yes, with. And I thank you all. It's been such a delight. Thank you. It's been, it's so been great. great to I'll talk be to back. you. Great. Yay. Look forward to it. so much for listening today. I felt quite spoiled experiencing an in-person visit to Pollinate, and I'm so glad I could share it with you today. Our next sponsor thanks goes to Rooted Farmers. Rooted Farmers works exclusively with local growers to put the highest quality specialty cut flowers in floral customers' hands. When you partner with Rooted Farmers, you are investing in your community and you can expect a commitment to excellence in return. Learn more at rootedfarmers.com. I'm on a big high this week after a full week of activities celebrating American Flowers Week, June 28th through July 4th, which we just wrapped up. It's been our sixth year coming together as a community to elevate domestic flowers in the minds of consumers and professional florists alike. Thank you to everyone who posted floral images and made your own beautiful tributes across social media. We've been watching the impact over time as the hashtag American Flowers Week has garnered more than 15 million social media impressions since we launched in 2015. You can find our 2020 recap articles at AmericanFlowersWeek.com. And in a few weeks, we will announce our call for submissions for the 2021 Botanical Couture Collection. Now is the time to jump on this opportunity while your fields and studios are bursting with floral ingredients. Later this week, on Friday, July 10th, you're invited to join the second monthly Slow Flowers member virtual meetup on Zoom. We had one last month and we're continuing uh, on the second Friday of every month going forward. Check our show notes for the sign-in link so you can log in and join the Slow Flowers community at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, this Friday, July 10th. Our final sponsor thanks goes to Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds, supplied to farms large and small, and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. Find the full catalog of flower seeds and bulbs at johnnysseeds.com. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 623,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprinzing.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Music